All right, before today's show, I want to talk directly to you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. I know you're out there. I see you out there. You want to start your business. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know what pieces are missing. You're not sure how to find deals. You're not sure how to raise money. You're not sure how to structure your business. Who's supposed to be in it? What do they do? What are the roles involved? And how does that all work? And how do you scale it eventually? Well, listen, I've got you covered. I know this is a huge problem and I know you're struggling with it. And I have a solution. It's called the Business Fast Track Blueprint. It's a program that I put together. It's four weeks and it's designed to quickly get you off the starting blocks and get your business off the ground and running with a plan, a blueprint of how to create that business and turn it into something that gets you to your goals. If you want to find out more, it's Starting soon, you can go to Business Fast Track Blueprint. Go there, check it out, businessfasttrackblueprint.com. Sign up, be there. I want to see you on the inside of this program. I want to help you get your business off the ground and get you off to the races in 2021. Go check it out. Absolutely. The the other piece of it was um, I didn't really have any money starting out, so... I had to be successful. Like I, it wasn't an op. This <laughs> yeah. wasn't like a, Hey, if it doesn't work, I've got a plan B. This yeah. was, this yeah. was the only plan. And I put my head down and just, I was kind of grinding every day on the basics. Cause I didn't have money to go spend on marketing or advertising. So I picked up the phone and did, I did a lot of guerrilla marketing. That was like stuff that I spent time and energy doing, but it didn't really cost me any money. Yeah. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right. Thank you for coming and being here and being part of the show and listening. I appreciate it. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. I appreciate you being here. If you're a returning listener, I also appreciate you. Thank you for being here. If you have been listening to the show for a while and you're getting value out of it and enjoying the content, please take a moment to go wherever you find the show and give me a rating and review. It really helps me help more people. So I would be very appreciative. Guys, today's show is going to be Another good one, I've got a very, very successful realtor on from a very, very hot market. And we talk about all things real estate, how to be successful as a realtor. We also get into buyers. If you're a buyer in this market, what you need to do to stand out and how you can make a difference when you're making offers. Uh, I'm so happy to have this particular guest on the show. His name is Josh Anderson, and he is a top real estate consultant in Nashville, Tennessee, hot, hot market. And he's the owner of the Anderson Group Realty Services. And he first came into real estate in 15 years ago. We talked about this, 2006. He came in right when things were smoking red hot like they are now, and then everything kind of crashed. But he not only survived that period, he grew exponentially over those years, which is very, very impressive. A lot of people were going out of business uh, as a realtor, and he was growing like crazy. Last year, he closed with over $135 million in real estate sold. Guys, he is going to inspire you to stop resisting the habits that are going to take you to the top. And we talk about those habits and what it is that people resist that absolutely will make them successful. So buckle up, get ready for a good a good one. I give you guys Josh Anderson. Hey, Josh, thank you for being here, man. I appreciate you doing this. I appreciate you agreeing to be on the show and welcome to Just Start Real Estate. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. So 
let's talk a little bit, um, you know, from a, a, a realtor standpoint, which is where you're coming from mostly. I know you, you definitely have some investment stuff, uh, but you're a highly successful realtor. And it's interesting to me. I love hearing the perspective of someone who's in that part of the industry, uh, where a lot of times I get the investor's point of view. And a lot of investors just have a different way of looking at things sometimes. Um, so I want to get into all that. But let's let's dial back a little bit and talk about uh, how you got started, and maybe even before you got started, what what were you doing in life before the real estate thing took off for you? Like, what what were your goals maybe before you got into it, and then what did you do early on? Yeah, great question. Um, so I I got into the business in April of two thousand six. So I just hit my fifteenth, started my fifteenth year um, in the business, and before that, I worked at an investment bank. Um, so I'm here in Nashville, Tennessee. And um, I worked at an investment bank and then I worked at a private client, like a trust company for okay. a year. Yep. Um, and it just wasn't, it wasn't filling my bucket. I wasn't being challenged. I wasn't really being mentored. Um, and, I, and I was making $31,000 a year and it wasn't even the money piece because, you know, starting out, I mean, that was fresh out of college. So, um, you know, it was just one of those things that I'd always wanted to get my real estate license because I wanted to buy some investment properties. And so I kind of just went all in one day I came into work and put in my two weeks and that was my last normal paycheck. <laughs> so a couple, um, a couple things though. Interestingly, you started in 2006, right? So you were probably thinking a realtor, the, the market is crazy hot. Like this is the greatest time in the world to be a realtor. And then a few years later, kaboom, it all broke out. But I also see looking at the notes here on you, um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when you served in the army, when, when was, was that all before all this or when did that happen? Yeah. Um, I served in, so I spent a year in Afghanistan in 2002 and 2003. So okay. about eight months after 9-11, um, I spent a year in Afghanistan and then got done with that and then finished school at LSU and then moved back to Nashville. I was originally from, I'm originally from Nashville. Gotcha. And, um, and so I worked for about two years in the financial industry. And I, you know, I think part of it was probably my fault. I, I, I created an idea in my head of what I should be doing or what it was going to look like. And it wasn't that at all. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I, I am happy and appreciate that I got kind of a finance and economics background. Yeah. Um, you know, economics is one of those things that you use for everything, but it also, there's no real job. I mean, there's not that many economists that get paid good money. Right? Yeah. 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 Uh, so, but it's helped me a lot just with supply and demand and, um, just, everything in there. Um, and I did have about a year, year and a half of like really good market that I got to see in 2006 and seven. And I was so in the business early on that I didn't even know that it was like literally going. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But looking back on it now, I'm like, God, the mortgage mess, everything was a mess. And I, my, I, I built my business year over year. I grew 50 to 100% for like the first five or six years I was in the business. That's mind-blowing because a, a lot of realtors, as you know, completely went out of the business. Like they couldn't they couldn't hang. And it's impressive that not only were you new when everything sort of kind of, you know, went off the rails, relatively new, but you actually grew during that time. That's That's highly unusual, but I think it speaks to adapting, like being someone who can adapt to what's happening. Absolutely. The, the other piece of it was um, I didn't really have any money starting out. So I had to be successful. Like I, it wasn't an op. This yeah. wasn't like a, 
hey, if it doesn't work, I've got a plan B. This yeah. was this yeah. was the only plan. And I put my head down and just I was kind of grinding every day on the basics because I didn't have money to go spend on marketing or advertising. So I picked up the phone and did I did a lot of guerrilla marketing that was like stuff that I spent time and energy doing, but it didn't really cost me any money. Yeah. Um, and I think I was just so in the business that I didn't even realize that so many agents were getting out of the business and yeah, it worked. And all those agents getting out of the business, you know, you pick up a little bit of market share here and there True. from all of that. Were, were so, people telling you, like, I, I can imagine, I, I assume you were uh, with a, a, a larger brokerage. I don't know if that's true or not, but were, uh, were people telling you like, this is horrible? Like, I mean, were they were they filling you with negativity and like doom and gloom, or were you like blissfully ignorant about how bad it actually was? Uh, probably somewhere in between, because I I do absolutely remember, you know, Nashville didn't really get a ton of short sales and foreclosures and REOs, but we did, you know, it was about eight or ten percent of our market, so it was okay. really small compared to, you know, Miami or yeah. you know San Francisco, LA, you know, yeah. places on the east and west coast, um, but. I definitely heard a lot of chatter of, and I saw people getting out of the business. I just kept doing the handful of things that 15 years later, I'm still doing. Um, it's, you know, I, I, I time block lead generation and lead follow-up every single day. I've never gotten away from that. Um, and so I do that in the morning time and everything else falls into place when you, when you dedicate, you know, three or four hours a day, every single day to looking for deals for clients and calling sellers and, looking for buyers and things like totally. that. Totally. And and you cut you're referencing like just guerrilla, you know, marketing, hard work, like just grinding it out. And I know that um, you know, the way you were raised, you were sort of raised that way. What what was your home what was it like at home when you were growing up? Like what was the dinner table like? Like what was the the evenings like? Well how did that work? Yeah. So I'm the youngest of four. Um so that's like our house was ultimate competition like everything was a competition and being the youngest like you always lose (laughs) but I always was like digging into like to try to win um and I think it and and my brothers were like super hard on me beat me up like but but everything was always you know that was like brotherly love right yeah um but it was everything was a competition and I think you know my dad was a or is a farmer and growing up on a 3000 acre farm, the family, like you get out and work. So I think the one thing that was probably instilled in me from the very beginning was work ethic. Hmm. Uh, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I will outwork anybody. Yeah. If it's something that I want. And and I think that you don't have to be the smartest person to be successful. It's, it's all about, actually, if you're the smartest person, you're probably in the, in the wrong room Um, or you (laughs) want to go to a, Go to a different room if you're yeah. um, if you're the smartest guy there. I 100 percent agree. You should always try to be in rooms of people that are much smarter than you. I grew up in a family with two, I had two brothers, so there are three boys, and I know exactly what you're talking about. I got beat up. Uh, I was the youngest. I got beat up by my brother, my older brother. Uh, but it does teach you to compete. It does teach you how to handle defeat. You know how to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and come back. Um, so yeah, I love that. I love that story. And I, I do find that people that come from that environment, um, have a, have a, a mindset that's real conducive to winning. Uh, and I, yeah. I couldn't agree more with you that, and I tell people this all the time, the most successful people I know in, in all industries, real estate is the one that I'm in most of the time, but even in other industries, it's rarely, if ever the smartest person I've ever met, not that they're dumb, but 
they're just not always the smartest person I ever met. It's just they go to work yeah. every day. They they you know they they fight and they scratch and they claw and they they don't accept failure and you know so that's really the it's it's the it's the not never stopping getting out there and showing up every day like that's the mindset I think that really makes a difference. Yeah, and I think I think that um, I think the most successful people in every industry. I mean, you look at the greatest minds of all time; they really were great at consistency. Yeah, you know, you can't you can't go in and pick up the phone one day and then you get really busy and then you don't pick up the phone again for thirty days. Yep. Because then your business is just going to constantly be cyclical, and so I think the best people in the world do. They're very consistent and persistent um, on the basics. Yeah. They just do, they build on it over time. And there's so many people in the real estate industry that get, they, I, they I, it feels like they're ADD maybe, and they can't concentrate or focus. Yeah. And so they want to get creative and they want to do, you know, they want to do something different, like reinvent the wheel kind of. And it's like, man, the basics in any business wins. Totally. Always. Totally. It's never going to change. Um, technology will certainly, uh, change it a little bit, but it'll never be in lieu of the basics. It'll be in addition to, well, yeah, I think you're right. People start, I think people in this, in this world that we're in now, everybody wants like instant gratification and that's not, that's not new. I mean, that's sort of been the trend for, for decades, but it's true. People want things to work right now. Like to your point, you pick up the phone and if you don't get a lot of business that first day, when you start making calls or whatever you're doing, you know, people tend to go, that doesn't work. You know what I mean? They, they, they do it once and they say it doesn't work. And I think it's just, you're right. You have to be consistent in it, but it takes discipline because when it doesn't work the first 10 times you do it, you have to be willing to do it the 11th time. And it's like that. I always yeah. think of that, that cartoon. It's, it's famous. It's been out there a long time of the two miners, like top and bottom. The, the one miner oh, yeah. is like chipping away. And it's like, he's like an inch away from all these diamonds. And he's like this, you know, there's nothing here. He's walking away. And the other guy is to like chipping all the way through. It's sometimes when people quit or, you know, when they call it quits, they're just, they're right there. They're on the brink of it. They just can't stick with it. It's the iceberg, you know, how much bigger it is below the water than totally. above the water. Totally. And, um, you know, I think that's, I, to me, that's, it's, it's work, work ethic. It's doing the basics consistently. And, um, you know, fast forward from 2006 to 2020, you know, I did 23 deals my first year in the business and, uh, we did 255 this past year for wow. 135 million in volume. And so it's just, you know, it's just growing and, and, and it's also doing what, you tell people you're going to do and then yeah. maybe do a little bit more and they'll be yeah. super impressed. Um, there's just so many people in our industry that don't even do the basic. They don't, they say they're going to do something and they don't do it. Yeah. And it's like, it's so easy to go behind that and scoop up that business yeah. and, and earn it. Totally. So, so what are the, are the things other than hard work, obviously, but like the, the specific tactics or the specific ways that you're driving leads, how much has it changed over the last 15 years or has it, are you still using the same strategies to, to get leads that you were or, or has it changed? Yeah, it's, it's basically the same strategies. There's always going to be some new Zillow or there's going to be some new um, way to, to do some kind of marketing, but it's, it's, it's essentially about 75% of my business is some type of referral. Mm. So it's, referrals from past clients. It's referrals from, you know, um, um, our sphere it's, or our database. 
and it's agent referrals from around the country. So I don't buy a bunch of leads and we have, you know, a good bit of listings. Hmm. Um, certainly in this market in 2021 is even different from 2020. And it's really, it's kind of all over the country. There seems to be low inventory. Yeah. There's also low interest rates. Um, we've got people that are making offers a quarter of a million dollars over asking price on a million dollar home. It's, wow. it's really, it's, it's honestly kind of scary because I don't know where we go from here. Like, does it continue to progressively get worse for, I mean, if you're a first time buyer and you make 50 or $60,000 a year, there, it's almost impossible to buy in this market. You're competing against people putting 20 and 30% down. You're competing against people paying cash. You've, you're competing against people from that are moving to Nashville from LA that, you know, they, they're used to seeing this market and they don't yeah. care if they spend six figures over asking price. That's crazy to me. It's insane, but, insane. um, so, so I think to answer your question, I, I, I think the, the, the general idea is always going to be the same technology will change it up, but we're doing the same things, you know, having listings controls the business. We get sign calls, we get, you know, we are able to convert some of those leads. Um, you know, I hate to continue to go back to the basics, but it's kind of like, I always talk about mindset, you know, you doesn't matter how great your database is or how much you want to sell a $5 million house. If your mindset around that isn't right, then you're not going to do it. Yeah. Um, you yeah. can want all you want. I agree. It's not. So, I agree. And it's also, you know, it's building your database. It's adding value to your database. Um, you know, it's following up with the leads that you do have. And I'm kind of a, somebody told me early on, like you just, people either buy or they die. And so I've always kind of taken that to heart a little bit of, I literally follow up with people until they buy or die. Oh, I and see I what you mean. I was like, what do you mean buy or die? Like they're going to buy or you're going to kill? No, I'm just kidding. I didn't know what you meant. Okay. Yeah. Buy or die. I see what you're saying. So let me ask you this. So you said add value to your database. What do you mean by that? So add value to your database, um, you know, just being a resource for them, answering their phone call oh, when they actually okay. call you. Yeah. Um, I mean, those are basic things, but it's, uh, understanding and knowing, you know, price per square foot in different neighborhoods and different areas of town. Mm. It's, um, you know, us having, uh, different programs for our clients. Like we have a loyalty program for our clients and it's, you know, when they work with us at closing or any other time after closing, they can use our, you know, we've got trailers and, and trucks they can use. We've got backpack blowers and mm. pressure washers and, you know, things that people probably need to rent once a year and they yeah. don't want to buy a $1,200 commercial, you know, pressure washer. Yeah. Um, so we just bought it in our business because I needed it a couple of times and yeah, then clients need it. And we just, we uh, have that type of thing. We have, a, awesome. um, yeah. So we just have different programs that people can, uh, we have a, a vendor list of like all of our preferred, you know, businesses that we work with. Um, so we always tell people after they move in, hey, if you need something, electrician or a plumber yes you can go to the yellow pages yes you can google it but why wouldn't you call us and you know, right somebody that's worked with us or right. worked with our client hundreds of times yep somebody that you guys can can vouch for their you know reliability that's awesome you mentioned that it's a little different now the the market's different now than it was last year you've been in the game now for 15 years um mm -hmm. And again, you know, I've asked this question before, and I'm 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 sincerely curious what people like yourself think because you've been in it the the game so long and you've seen different market cycles. And just 
throwing out the disclaimer that you're not a fortune teller, you don't have a crystal ball, I get that. But what do you see? What do you anticipate? What do you think will be happening in the market over the next 12 to 18 months? What what do you expect to see? Yeah, I don't think anything's really going to change in 2021. I think we've got 18 to 24 months of this market um, really? before it either softens or interest rates go. I, Nashville is one of the top markets for real estate in the United States, probably behind like Dallas and Austin. And you know, there's a couple of really good markets, a couple of places in Florida. Um, I don't know. We have so much building going on residentially, commercially, multifamily. It, it is absolutely amazing what's going on in Nashville. So it, it does kind of concern me a little bit that the values are going up so much. And I don't know what else would change the real estate market currently other than interest rates going from maybe three or three and a half percent to like 5%, which, you know, is going to hurt people's purchasing power. It's going to make them think harder on the decisions they make. Um, I don't know. I mean, we have, we have a hundred plus people a day moving to Nashville. So I don't know what stops that. Um, A lot of people coming from Chicago, uh, Chicago's property taxes are crazy. I think they're political environments, um, kind of funky. And I think that there, yeah. there's no job growth. Um, so Chicago and LA and orange County are kind of the three places people are coming from. Yeah. And you but, guys are seeing a lot of that right now. You guys in Texas are seeing a lot of influx of people from California for a bazillion reasons. Um, so is that, do you think that's, you know, you mentioned people coming from California are not that uncomfortable with spending six figures over asking or whatever, putting down, you know, 20, 30%. Do you, how much is that changing Nashville's market? Do you think than other places in the country? It must be, obviously I live in Michigan. They're not flooding to Michigan, right? So we're not seeing that influx. Um, it probably will keep your market different or strong or however you want to look at it consistent longer than other places around the country would be my guess. I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think people from California are moving here. The cost of living is a lot less just for a gallon of milk yeah. or, you know, property taxes are lower here. Um, you know, the schools in certain areas might not be as good as what they are used to um, in, in certain areas, not not all of them. You know, Williamson County, which is right next to Nashville, um, their schools are the best public schools in the state. And they're and that's where a lot of people are moving to is is kind of the the two closest suburbs of Nashville. Um, so, you know, I think their their average price point in California is a whole lot higher. So they come here and they go, wait, we can get a five thousand square foot house for a million dollars, and that's all kind of going away because it's 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 accelerating so quickly that again, I, to me, it's scary because I don't I don't know where it goes two years from now. I mean, does it? Does it stall out? Yeah. Um, and, you know, even the new construction stuff, it's like, you know, there's a lot of areas in Nashville that you can't build new because they're historic neighborhoods. And so you can't just tear something down because it's dilapidated. The historic um, commission won't allow it. So, you know, and, and builders aren't even given prices right now because the lumber costs and everything else is kind of crazy. So yeah. they're hesitant to give prices. They don't know when they're going to, you know, they're waiting on several things, um, architectural plans and, you know, to be able to open up a new phase. 
So across the board, it's just kind of a weird, funky market. Yeah, it is. It's so true. So in your opinion, people are listening to this. Let's just say there's a young realtor out there, a, a, a young, you know, Josh, 15 years ago. Um, how, how do they win in today's market? What, what's key to them? What would you say to them if they want to really, they want this to be their thing? Like they're all in, they don't have plan B like you didn't. What would you tell that younger, newer, not necessarily young, but just newer realtor out there? Yeah. Um, I, I hate to be a broken record, but I, I would go back to, you know, building the database and doing lots of open houses. And I, I think in today's market, we have to do probably, we kind of have to double down on the amount of activity, shaking hands and, and phone calls and texts and letters and postcards. I think we have to do twice as much to get what we've gotten in the past for doing half the work. Yeah. And so I, I think that, that is very difficult. And there's what I'm seeing in the market. So I have a team here um, and I'm still in production, but I'm seeing a lot of fatigue. I mean, you know, I would tell you two of the girls that work with me have worked with me for nine and 11 years. And I will say they, I never see them fatigued and I'd put them up against any buyer's agent uh, anywhere. And, you know, they're still having to write for some clients. We're having to write six, seven, eight or nine offers, Yeah, which is really frustrating for the real estate agent. And it's probably even more so frustrating for, you know, a first time buyer that doesn't really understand the market. Yeah. Um, and there's some people you can't really in this market. I think you have to, as a buyer or a seller, you're either all in or you're on the sidelines. Yeah. And I think for a, for an agent that's newer, you know, we're so, I remember 2006 and seven when somebody called me and wanted to go look at a property, I didn't ask for a pre-approval letter. I just was like, I'm going to meet you right now. Yeah. Cause yeah. I was so excited to do it. Yeah. You know, in this market, you can't just go show people. I mean, they've got to be pre-approved. Like it, it, the market's moving way too fast. Yeah. So I would tell them to, you know, slow down, go, go join a team for a couple of years and see what you can learn. Um, you know, we're writing crazy things into the contracts or our purchase and sale agreements that we haven't really seen before. That's I mean, a really good question. Of- That's a great question, actually. Or you, that point you just made brings up a really good question. People who are listening right now, and whether they're an investor or realtor, doesn't matter. Everyone buys houses from time to time. I'm I'm in the market to buy a house right now. What would you tell buyers? who want to buy a house right now, what are you writing into contracts that's unusual that's helping you get deals for your buyers? Yeah, I think the I think the biggest thing with buyers right now is whoever your agent is, you know, sit down with an sit down with an agent in in the local market and really do kind of full on consultation, figure out what's going on in the market, what are you seeing um, because people that are relocating here from markets like let's take Memphis, for example, Memphis, you know, for 500, $600,000, you can kind of buy whatever you want in Memphis. Well, five or $600,000 just doesn't buy you in Nashville, what you could get. And so you'll be probably relatively disappointed. And so I'm seeing people take out appraisals. I'm seeing people, you know, take out their inspections. And if they don't take out the inspections, they just do a pass fail. Yeah. Like I'm either going to accept it as is, or I'm not. Hmm. Um, people are writing love letters, you know, lenders are calling the listing agent on behalf of the buyers. Um, you know, a uh, buyer is paying title, which is standard, a seller to pay yeah. uh, title yep. in our market. And so 
everything's just, I mean, I kind of, and it, it, it's, I feel sorry for buyers right now. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Um, and for sellers, they're on the brink of being hardcore greedy. Yeah. And uh, they know it. So they're, they're, they're taking, but I'm also seeing a lot of buyers that have missed out on five or six offers and then they're throwing an offer on something. And then overnight they're kind of like, you know what, do we want to pay 60 grand over asking price? Like we don't know how we, and so yeah. I'm seeing some deals also fall apart, Yeah, which is yeah. great for, you know, like we've had agents in the last week or two call us on multiple properties that we, we went from second place to first place. Yeah. And so that that's great. And, and part of that is the relationship you have with other agents in the community. Yeah. Um, that's massively important right now. What Some do, people don't think it's important, but it is. Yeah. I, and that, that, that's true. What would your advice be or what, how do you feel about when you're picking an agent as a buyer, because it is tough right now for buyers. I agree. I feel bad for them. What would be your advice to people who are picking an agent? What kinds of questions should they be asking their agent to decide whether or not that's the right one for them? And I'm just going to throw out a, for example, for example, would you ever, and especially in this environment, suggest someone use an agent that kind of does it part-time? Like they have a nine to five and they, they do this part-time. It feels to me like that's a recipe for disaster for the buyer, but what you can answer that. But then what else might you say, look for in an agent when you're, when you're hiring one? Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't think a consumer differentiates. First of all, it's a horrible idea to use a part-time agent anytime. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean they can't get you through a contract and get you to closing, but it's going to be a less than ideal experience. Yeah. The client experience is going to be not that good. Yeah. And for a first time buyer, they might not know the difference. I get it. But you know, it's, you need somebody that sees contracts and offers all the time. You need somebody that's got experience negotiating. I mean, you, you write one little word in incorrectly, or you leave a word out on a contract that can cost your buyer or seller a lot of money. Yeah. And so find somebody that's, I mean, go look them up on Google reviews, go look them up on any review site, go ask the questions like, how long have you been doing this? How many homes do you sell per year? You know, are you, is this your full-time job? Yeah. I talked to a lady, uh, this is probably six or seven years ago, but I, I listed this property and this lady called me and said, you know, we've had our house listed and, um, we got a recommendation from church and we just assumed the lady was a full-time agent. We found out that she has a full-time job and that's why we could never get her on the phone before six o'clock in the evening. Uh, and our house was her own list. What was her only listing that she's ever had? Oh, that sounds and horrible. so, you know, but I mean, here's the thing. They had good intentions. Yeah. They got a referral from church yeah. and the person that referred them to this lady probably didn't think anything about it. They just said, do you know a realtor? Oh yeah. Well, we go to church with this realtor. You should use them. Yeah. Um, and I'm always telling people like, just because, you know, your aunt Karen is, is a, is a realtor doesn't mean that she's a good realtor. Yeah. Um, or your friend that just got their license. I know you want to support them, but it's probably not going to be a great experience. Yep. Um, and it, it, and it might be, they might be, you know, they've got the time. They just don't have the experience. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and one so, of the biggest investments, obviously you're going to make one of the biggest purchases you'll ever make. One of the biggest sales you'll ever do to trust it to someone who's brand new or does a part-time seems crazy. And I think it's great to support, you know, friends and family, but don't support them with the idea that 
it might be beneficial for them and it might hurt you. Yeah. 100%. I mean, if you, if you accidentally overpay by $30,000 for a house and you need to turn around and sell it in a year and the market changes and interest rates go up to 5% or 6%, you might be up. I mean, you won't be upside down, but you might not be selling that house or you yeah. might not be breaking even. When I asked you if you what you thought of the market over the next 12 to 18 months, you you said that, at least in Tennessee, you see this going for another 24 months anyway. Interest rates, though, you did mention uh, maybe would fluctuate. How long do you think we're going to last with these super high twos, low threes, like in your experience? And again, I know you don't know, but w- yeah. what, what, what do you think is going to happen in your private moments? What in your heart do you feel is going to happen with the interest rates anytime soon? I think there's too much craziness going on in the world and in business. I don't think they're going to change really this year. I mean, they'll, okay. they'll bump up and down a little bit, yeah. but I think they're going to hover. You know, I think they'll stay between three and a quarter and three and a half ish. Okay. Um, I don't think they're going to change this year, but you know, again, there might be a an economic, there might be another pandemic. There might be, you yeah, know, I mean, there, yeah. there's so many variables that go sure. into it. But at some point, it's so artificially low that at some point we got to get back up to normal um, numbers. I mean, listen, I, I locked in at a two and a half percent thirty-year. Like, you know, anybody that can take advantage of it, do it. Yeah. Um, but I also called a guy. A guy called me a couple of weeks ago, and he said, "Hey, what you you know, by chance do you know what interest rates are?" And I text one of my lenders and said, "Hey, what what are rates right now?" And he said, "Well, they closed at three point two five yesterday." And uh, I, I told this buyer, I said, 3.25. And he was like, oh my God, that's ridiculous. I'll never pay that. And I was uh, like, <laughs> dude, historically, those are like really low. You know yeah. that? And he's like, well, I can, I mean, what, what happened to the two and a half and under three? And I was like, well, I think you might've missed the boat on that. Yeah. And I said, but that's okay. I said, 3% money is like still pretty awesome. Yeah. I was having that conversation with a guy yesterday, actually a mortgage guy. And, uh, he was telling, you know, like it wasn't that long ago, people were high-fiving at four and a half. Like they were like, could not believe how awesome the interest rates were. And like you said, for someone to turn their nose up at two and a quarter or two and a half, whatever, it's like, it's so funny. We get used to this so fast. You know, it's like, we think I'll never pay more than three. I mean, historically, it's crazy. Yeah. Historically, I mean, you know, in the eighties, they were paying 12 and 14 and 16%. And that's a credit card payment. Yeah, That's interest on credit card. Yeah, And so I was happy. I think, I think my first loan in my first house was like 5.75 or something. And I was like giddy about it. Yeah. I I was excited. Yep. Um, And so, I mean, there's been a, you know, if you've bought a house in the last 10 years, you've, done pretty well on interest rates. I mean, yep. they've all been up to 5% for the most part. Yeah, completely. Uh, so I just can't believe, you know, I mean, take advantage while you can, but they're not always going to be this way. Absolutely. Well, listen, we could talk about this for hours. I love this conversation. I love talking about this stuff. And I know there's a lot of people out there that are always concerned, like what is happening right now? What's going on? Um, inventory at all time low. It's super crazy. Interest rates are great. If you're going to buy, I mean, honestly, selling is great now too, because people are making a killing, right? So it's a great time to buy and sell. Uh, and I think there's a great time for, for realtors, new and, and experienced to, to really grow their business right now. But again, 
it goes back to the basics. What are you doing consistently every day to make sure that you're growing your business? You mentioned that 75% of your business is from referrals. That's so if you're not doing the right things by the folks that you're servicing or that you're working with, like you would lose three quarters of your business potentially if you were just really not paying attention and in, in creating those relationships. So it's relationships, it's consistency, and it's blocking and tackling. It's the basics, right? So um, Josh, I, I just want to thank you again for, for being on the show and sharing all of this information with folks. I really appreciate it. Bef before we end, I, I know I just cut you off. You're getting ready to say something. Any Any last words for folks or... Yeah, you know, I think I think for any agents that are listening, I, I'd say it's easy in this market to get away from the basics, but just get back to them. And I, I don't think those ever really change. I mean, yeah. I think picking up the phone and calling people and checking in on your past clients, um, breaking bread with people, networking, you know, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. Yep. And so I think, I don't think that ever changes. Technology will 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 change some things, but I don't think it'll change the basics. Yep. So great advice. I uh I really appreciate you having me on. If you uh you ever want to jump back on a call, certainly let me know. All right. Will do man. Thanks for doing this again. I appreciate all your insights and experience and uh have a great rest of your week and stay safe and healthy. Sounds great. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, great stuff from Josh there, a highly successful realtor talking about what it takes to get it done in today's market and in any market, really. And it goes back to the basics, guys. It always does. There's no silver bullet in business. There just isn't. Things will come and go. Fads, tactics will come and go. But the bottom line is the people who show up and put in the work typically win, right? We create our own luck in a lot of ways. So take that advice to heart. Go out there and make it happen, guys. Go out and start working today to build your business because 10 years are going to go by whether you do or not. Would you rather be at the end of that 10 years looking back at your success because you got started now or wish you had started and live with regret in the future? Trust me, you don't want to live with the regret. All right, go out there and make it happen.